Thank you, Lord, for using the cross to prove that you are on our side because you could have used anything else in the world, but you chose to send your son to be brutally murdered on a cross so that we could see with our own eyes how much you love us and how much you are for us and on our side, Lord. Lord, I give you praise and I thank you that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and your ways are higher than our ways, Lord. So I pray that you would just enter into our minds this morning as we listen to this message. And I pray that you would give us just a glimpse of what you think about us, of what you think about our situation, of what you think about this world, Lord. And I pray that we would take that and believe that over our circumstances and believe that over what we think and over what we see. We love you, God. We trust you. You are so good, and we are so excited for what you have in store for us this morning. We love you. Keep us focused on you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. My name is Joe McKechnie, and I am so blessed to be on staff here at Roswell United Methodist Church, and specifically with the role of getting to preach at Chapel Roswell. I love being here with you each and every Sunday morning, and I am so glad that we are together in worship this morning. I pray that God will just open up our hearts and our spirits and our minds for what he has in store for us this morning. Now, uh, usually my, my beautiful wife, Catherine, is sitting over here. We have a son. He's a sixth grader, so he's taking confirmation. And so she's over in the Dodd this morning, which means I can tell stories about her without getting in trouble. So you have to make sure that you don't say anything, okay? That's all I ask. Now, first, let me go back to a baseball term. How many of you know anything about baseball? Okay, a handful of you do. A handful of you are still awake. Um, and that's okay. What is a sacrifice in baseball? Anybody just shout it out. That's right. It, 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 in, in, that's right. In baseball, a sacrifice is when the batter will deliberately get himself or herself out in order to advance the runner. We call that a sacrifice. This morning we're talking about sacrifice because if you look throughout the scripture, there's a lot of emphasis on that word, sacrifice. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you a little bit later. Now, before my wife and I were married 14 years ago, I, I, I don't want to boast, I don't want to brag, but, but I had women just beating down my door. Okay. <laughs> now, most of them were trying to get out, but the, but the point is that I was finally able to meet the woman of my dreams. Okay, let me take you back 14 years ago. Catherine Kingray agreed to marry me. We were married on June 18th, 2005 at, at uh, Peachtree Road United Methodist Church. And for our honeymoon, there was a church member that had a penthouse, a huge penthouse overlooking the ocean in New Smyrna Beach, Florida. It was incredible. 
My parents let me borrow their little Mazda Miata. Remember those little Miatas? The little convertibles. So Catherine and I, these newlyweds, in love, cruising down the interstate in this sporty little convertible. And we did some really cool stuff down while at the beach on our honeymoon. And one of the things we did, we drove into Winter Park, which is outside of Orlando. I had served as youth pastor at a, a church in Winter Park. And they have the most awesome farmer's market that you'd ever want to find. Now, we had all sorts of great stuff that we could buy and find at the farmer's market, but there was one thing in particular, okay, that we fell in love with. Maybe some of you have fallen in love with this as well, okay, but you have to be blessed to have the real thing, okay? Anything short of the real thing is nothing but a blasphemous knockoff, and I'm talking about kettle corn, Kettle corn, oh my gosh, that was the coolest stuff ever. And it came in these big plastic bags about this big. We loved it so much, we knew that you couldn't find it up in Atlanta. So we bought 12 bags of this stuff. <laughs> True story, okay? Now, keep in mind, what kind of car are we in? We're in a Miata. So we've got 12 bags this big, full of the most delectable kettle corn you could ever want to eat. And so we crammed it in our car. Fortunately, most of it was gone before we got home. But I want to fast forward now, okay, several years, three years to be exact. It was our third anniversary. We had been married three years, and I wanted to do something really sweet and really nice and really romantic. And so I went on the Internet, and I went to this specific place, this vendor, and I bought 12 bags of kettle corn. It was delivered to our house. I wanted to be secretive about it. It came two days before our anniversary. So I'm trying to think, okay, Joe, where in the world am I going to store this where my wife will never find it? So I hid it in our oven. Now, no, nothing, no, no judgments here, okay? So, so I hid the kettle corn in the oven for about two days. And then I was going to pull it out and give her this huge bundle, this huge stash of the world's greatest kettle corn. Well, as it turns out, my wife is such a sweet person. And for our anniversary, she was going to bake for me my favorite cookies, peanut butter and chocolate cookies, okay? That's just a reminder or a hint, okay? <laughs> peanut butter and chocolate cookies, okay? They were going to be awesome. So she goes into the kitchen and she preheats the oven. Yeah, you know where this is going, don't you? <laughs> so after about 15 minutes, we're in the house together. We notice this putrid, kind of a, a smoky kind of smell. I run into the kitchen, true story, open up the oven, flames shoot out at me. It is that bad. The kettle corn, they were in plastic bags. They literally caught on fire. They started to melt. All oh, the kettle corn then fell to the, the base of the oven. It, it literally was on fire. So I grabbed the fire extinguisher, a good, a good reminder to always know where your fire extinguisher is. Okay, so after 35 minutes of looking for it, I found it, <laughs> brought it back into the kitchen, and I sprayed out the fire. Okay, disaster averted, except for the fact that all the kettle corn was gone. It didn't go as our anniversary had planned. Out of the best laid intentions, things just didn't work out. But, but each of us, out of a deep-rooted love for the other, sacrificed for the other. 
when we go back to the Old Testament, okay, sacrifice is a huge deal. Sacrifices are a huge religious deal. Why is that? Specifically, animal sacrifice, that was the method of making a sacrifice to God. Now, just bear with me with the history of this because this is going to lead to something that, that literally is life-changing for people today around the world. I get asked a lot of theological and religious questions, and many involve the ways in which the Jewish culture would sacrifice animals, their sacrificial system. Now, they weren't the only ones to sacrifice, okay? There were some pagan cultures, some pagan communities in an effort to gain good crops, for example, would sacrifice, in many cases, infants. Uh, there were pagan cultures that would sacrifice a virgin in order to uh, appease their god. So the Jewish sacri sacrificial system was relatively tame compared to the rest of the world. Now, I want you to go back to a sports question. Okay, here we go. Put on your thinking caps. Just shout it out if you know the answer. In what sport would you be awarded a penalty kick? Soccer. In which sport would you attempt a free throw? Okay. In which sport would you have to go sit in the penalty box? In what sport would you draw a yellow flag for unsportsmanlike conduct? That's right. Okay, all the sports are different. They have different rules. They have different methods. They have different ways of doing things. And during the Old Testament era, okay, different cultures did things different ways. They had different ways of doing things, okay? They had different ways of dealing with justice or dealing with mercy. And, and even today, different cultures and different countries have different forms of justice. Now, some are adequate, others are downright wrong. But for the Israelites, their culture revolved around animal sacrifice. Remember that, okay? Why? Okay, again, let me, let me just give you a little bit of background. We're going to come around full circle, and I hope you're going to say, that was worth staying awake for, okay? I also hope that you're going to be able to see Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures that we talk about this morning. The Israelites, okay, the Jewish people, they had been instructed by God himself to, to follow a, a sacrificial system, an animal, specifically in most cases a lamb, it would be sacrificed as a way to pay the price for the sins of the people. To sacrifice, as we talked about earlier, means to give up something for something else. One way to think about the Jewish sacrifices is they were gifts to God. When they performed these sacrifices, they were giving back to God a little bit of what God had given to them. Now, furthermore, the, the animal was being given up, okay, as a sacrifice, again, for the sins of the people. The sacrifice was meant to deepen the bond between God and his people by atoning. Remember that word, by atoning for the sin of the people. Now, a, a lamb. How many of you ever touched a lamb or held a lamb or seen a lamb or anything like that? I think Mary had one, if I'm not mistaken. But, but generally, a lamb is under one year old, okay? So it's a, it's a baby sheep. In the Bible, the lamb is the symbol of purity. It's the symbol of innocence. It's referred to as a sacrificial lamb. Why? Because it would take the place of the sinner. In Psalm 32, it declares, Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven, 
whose sins are covered. What does that mean, to have your sins covered? Hold on to that thought because we're going to come back to that, okay? there's There's a pretty deep word. Okay, it's a religious word, a theological term that you're probably not going to hear many places outside of a sermon. But that word is atonement. The word atonement literally means to cover. Okay, so the word atonement means to cover. We go back to Psalm 32. It says, blessed is the one whose transgressions or sins are forgiven. How are they forgiven? It says, whose sins are covered. So our sins are forgiven by being covered. Covered by what? Covered how? So we're going to play a little game here this morning, okay? I'm going to say a word, and you just repeat it back to me, okay? So I'm going to say a word. You quickly repeat it back. Got it? You ready? Atonement. Atonement. To cover. cover. Atonement. Atonement. To cover. Go dogs. Wow, that actually, that actually went better than I thought. So that's pretty cool. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding about that last part. The, 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 <laughs> the word atone, to atone, means to cover. Okay, here we're, here, here, here's where we're going with this. The blood of the lamb symbolically covers the sins of the people. The blood atones covers the sin of the people. Isaiah 4.35, going back to the Old Testament. In this way, the priest will make atonement for them, okay, will cover for them, will cover them for their sin that they have committed, and they're going to be forgiven. So in the temple, uh, there was a big altar. Now, many of you who have grown up in the church, when you think of an altar, you might think of a big table up front. But, but in the Jewish temple, okay, the altar was really a large open area, almost like a pit, almost literally like a barbecue pit, where animals would be sacrificed. There would be a sacrificial lamb each morning. There would be a sacrificial lamb each late afternoon. And so they would sacrifice a lamb to, to, to cover, to atone for the sins of the people. And this worked for quite some time. Now, no longer were the animal sacrifices necessary because Jesus came to fulfill the Jewish law. That's why Jesus is referred to as the Lamb of God. What's interesting today is that the Jewish people who don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah still no longer sacrifice animals. Now, during his public ministry, Jesus, in fact, made reference to the year A.D. 70 when the Roman armies would destroy the Jewish temple. The prophet Daniel, 700 years before that, before the destruction of the temple, he foretold of a day when God would cease having animal sacrifices. After all, they wouldn't need them anymore because you would have the Messiah, the Lamb of God, Jesus, who would take the place of the sins of the people. Okay, so I'm throwing a lot of deep theology at you this morning. Okay, but I pray that you'll hear this with maybe a new set of ears, see it with a new set of eyes. And now we're going to jump ahead to the New Testament. The temple had been destroyed. Sacrifices were no longer being offered. Okay, now, let me introduce you to a friend of mine. Hold on just one second. Let me go see if she's here. Bear with me. I'm going to be back. Now, this is Snow White. 
She weighs 38 pounds. She's going to be delicious. She, no, 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 I'm totally kidding. I am totally, totally, totally kidding, okay? No one repeat that. No, she's sweet. She is sweet. Uh, but this morning, we have a live lamb here, okay? Because we're going to jump ahead to the New Testament. John the Baptist had been baptizing people in the Jordan River. We often think that it's only Christians who were baptized, but Jewish people would be baptized as a way to cleanse themselves spiritually from their sin. They weren't even believers in Christ, but they would, sacri- or they would uh, be baptized. And so John sees Jesus approaching. Now John the Baptist and Jesus, they were actually cousins, so they, they knew each other. And so we're going to go to John 1.29, and I want you to read this with me, okay? Let's look up on the screens and read this together. Here we go. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now, six verses later, John 1.35 and 36, as if to reaffirm his previous statement, He says on the very next day, again, let's read this together. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. That's powerful stuff. Now, what does that mean? Okay. I could teach you to do that for me. Remember, what was the role of the sacrificial lamb. He would be killed to cover for the sins of the people. How does that apply to Jesus? A lamb is submissive. She's very quiet and just real sweet up here. Doesn't seem to want to jump out or anything like that. Uh, They would say that lambs are easily led to the slaughter. They wouldn't put up a fight. Remember Jesus, the Lamb of God? On the night when Jesus was arrested, he didn't put up a fight. He knew the fate that awaited him, but he didn't put up a fight. Agnes Dei is a term that maybe many of you have heard. It's a Latin term that literally means the gospel, or it's it's used in the Gospel of John. Agnes Dei is a Latin title used for the Lamb of God. Now, the phrase Messiah is used a lot. The word Messiah literally means the anointed one. Okay, that's in Hebrew. You okay, Snow White? You doing all right? Okay, so Messiah, what does that mean? The anointed one. Now the phrase in Greek for anointed one is Christos or Christ. So you have the word Messiah, that's Hebrew, the word Christ, which is Greek, So when you talk about Jesus Christ, they're not talking about Jesus and his last name. Okay, the word Christos or Christ and Messiah are synonymous. They're just different languages. Okay, so Jesus, again, his last name is not Christ. That simply means the Messiah. The Messiah, the Christos means the anointed one. The one who would be sent by God to atone for the sins of the people. Now, Snow White, I'm going to put you down for one second, okay? Whoop. You stay with me. I know this floor is very slippery, okay? She's already eaten something in my office, so um, she, she, she's doing 
She's doing fine. Now, uh, I, I've seen lambs when I was in Israel, when they would be led to the slaughter. And for the most part, oh, that's just what we need. Okay. It's time to go home. No, we'll take care of that, okay? That's, that's why we have interns. Lambs, lambs are extremely timid, okay? And when they were led to the slaughter, they would be very timid. They would be, no pun intended, but they would be sheepish. They didn't want to resist, okay? Just like Jesus, that analogy. Jesus was led to the slaughter. He was silent before those who were accusing him. He remained still, trusting that he would have the final, albeit excruciating triumph over sin, over death, and over shame. He was submissive during his crucifixion. And he never resisted, even when they were nailing him to the cross. Acts 8.32, it tells us that Jesus was like a sheep, led to the slaughter. And he was like a lamb before its shear is silent until he opens not his mouth. 1 Peter 1.21 says, through him, and this is important, let's read this one together too. Okay, through him, through Jesus, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now, this is such a powerful statement on so many levels, okay? It brings together the theology of the crucifixion and the resurrection because Peter concludes our passage with these words of assurance so that your faith and that your hope are in God. Our hope is in God. God. See, she even agrees. <laughs> the truth is, you and I were broken, imperfect creatures. And the truth is, left to our own devices, we're hopeless and we're helpless. But through the Lamb of God, we have every confidence in His finished work on our behalf. And I know that we've got a lot of children this morning because of the children's choir. You guys are awesome. I'm really proud of you guys. We always have a lot of kids in here anyway. We have a lot of youth. And, and if you don't hear anything else I say, okay, even instead of going to your friend saying, hey, I saw a lamb poop in church this morning, I want you to say this, okay? You are so loved by God, and God wants you to find your identity through him. Not in your popularity at school, not by how many goals you score, not by what college you go to, not by what neighborhood you live in. Your identity comes through Jesus Christ. And I pray that all of us, regardless of our age, can remember that. That the Lamb of God paid the price. You and I don't have to. It's been paid. So regardless of where you find yourself this morning, we have hope and we have assurance that can only be found through Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. How are you going to respond to that? That's the good news of the gospel. You've heard me say before, the word gospel literally means the good news. 
And you've also heard me ask the question, how is the good news of the gospel in your life good news to those people around you? Because I pray that it is. How are you going to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ? Want to come over here, Snow White? Come here. I told you they're very sheepish and they're very quiet and very timid. Doing great. But how are we going to respond to that good? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yep. How are we going to respond to the good news of Jesus Christ? Hey, you know what? Y'all are never going to forget this sermon. I promise you that. How are we going to respond? I pray that we can respond with the boldness that we have been forgiven, the freedom that we have been set free from shame, from guilt, from our past. We've been offered the opportunity for a new beginning in this life, for hope and for joy and for peace here and now, along with the assurance of of eternal life in heaven with God because of the Lamb of God. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for the work that you have done on our behalf on the cross. I pray, Father God, that each of us can look for and recognize, identify, and appreciate all of the ways in which you are at work in our lives. Father God, as we talk about the Lamb of God this morning, I pray that we can be thankful for the Lamb of God in Jesus Christ. The one who paid the price, shed his blood, had his body broken because of the amazing love you have for us. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for first loving us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.